Hi, I'm Christy Hurt, the founder of The Collab. We are a collective of brand professionals sharing our career stories. Every week, we pair up two members and they interview each other. So you'll get to hear one episode this week and one next week. You can join us too. Sign up at jointhecollab.com and then tell your story. Hello, my name is Michelle Doyle. I'm a sustainability writer and communication strategist based in Paris. And this is the Career Stories podcast brought to you by The Collab. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Cynthia Power. Cynthia is a circular programs expert with 15 years of experience and the owner of Multivoltage. She previously managed Eileen Fisher Renew for many years before working at tech resale startup Recurate. She now works independently helping brands and circular service providers to understand and navigate the fashion circular landscape, including building and scaling resale and reuse programs. She is very passionate about the high quality durable goods that exist and how we can prolong their useful lives. And Cynthia, welcome to the podcast. I am so thrilled to speak with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that very thorough introduction. Much appreciated. And so I'd love to go back to the beginning and ask you where you grew up and went to high school and university. Sure. So I was, fun fact, I was born in Halifax, Canada, and I lived there for three years. And then my family moved to Southern California, to Ojai. California, which I'm sure you know, coming from Malibu. I used to live there. Oh, well, there you go. So yeah, it's a sweet town, small town. And I lived there from the age of three to 12. And I actually went to a Krishnamurti school while I was there, which is really interesting in a different type of just very not public school, very much like nature and kind of social emotional learning based. And then I moved to Seattle when I was 12. And went to high school in Seattle. And I went to a really amazing liberal arts. It was a liberal arts high school, really. And it's called the Northwest School. And it was run by a bunch of pretty much climate activists, I guess, now that I think about it. And they they were incredible teachers. And that's actually where I started learning French and like really got the the bug of of learning French. And then I went to college in back to Southern California. I went to Scripps College, which is a small women's college in, the, in Claremont, Claremont, California. And I studied French was my major. And then I had two minors, politics and art history. And I studied uh, a year in Paris, my junior year. I know, you know, Michelle, you're in Paris now. So definitely was an incredible year. But I remember thinking like, after living there for a year, I thought, oh, it's just another year of life. Like, Got my hair broken, did all the dumb things you do when you're, you know, 20 years old. So it was, even though I still hold this like magical Paris in my mind, I think about like living there and I'm like, yep, that was just, that was just life, life in French, I guess, around a bunch of beautiful historic buildings. And then, so I guess relevant for, for this conversation, I wrote my, my senior thesis in college on fashion and feminism. And I kind of looked at Christian Dior and Coco Chanel before and after World War II. And how I was kind of looking at their clothes as a commentary on women's bodies and women in society. And that was so much fun to write. That was researching. That was really fun. So that's where I kind of got to by the end of, by the end of college. Wow. It's so interesting, the overlap that we have with Ojai in Paris and it's also so interesting that knowing Ojai is such a 
ecologically focused community and you coming into circularity and also studying fashion in Paris, I'd love to know when you started learning about the circular economy, if that was something that started after university or maybe it took a little bit longer to come into this. Hmm. Well, I, I've been basically a lifelong thrifter and I remember in high school, just, you know, going to vintage and thrift stores. I remember in Paris, there's not really a thrift community. And like, I found there's a, a famous thrift store. I think it's called Free Pea or something that was in the Marais. That was the only like actual thrift store that I could find in Paris other than, you know, the, um, like the markets, right? Where, so anyways, that was just, I think it was always something that I was drawn to of used clothing. And, you know, one of the, one of the kind of most important things about circular economy is using things that already exist and really extending the life of quality goods. And so uh, I was, and I, I also started a little thrift store in college, actually, in my senior year to kind of help raise money for a club that I was part of in college. And so I was doing this without thinking about it as a circular economy, which I think is important. And knowing that you care about communications, Michelle, I feel like the word circular or circularity, most people are kind of like, what are you talking about? I think it's a lot easier to talk about thrifting and vintage and resale and, you know, repair and process. Absolutely. Yeah. And just things that people interact with every day instead of these kind of big conceptual terms. So in terms of my career, I started working at Eileen Fisher. I think mostly because of its kind of feminist leaning of like women, a women-owned company, a women-run company, and this idea of women being, feeling good in, you know, in their clothes and feeling good as they are, which I think is really powerful still today. And it was there that I started getting more exposure to sustainability and then circular economy. Specifically, I had the incredible kind of opportunity and was just at the right place, right time, you know, intersection, right, right person to run, to take over and run their take back and resale program. So they had had a, a take back and resale program for their own clothes, which was really pioneering. I mean, they started it in 2009. Nobody, I mean, Patagonia maybe had like an inkling of theirs as well at that time. But nobody was really doing that. And Eileen Fisher was doing that. And so I got to manage that program from 2015 to 2021. Um, and that was my first kind of, my first and most kind of exposure to the true, you know, circular economy. But it was funny. I remember I was kind of looking for a new job inside the company in 2015. And thankfully, my boss, who was Eileen at the time, I had been her assistant for, I think, about five years. And she said, didn't you start a thrift store in college? Like, what do you, what do you think about, you know, this job with would renew the take back program. And I feel like it kind of took her saying that for me to go like, oh, yeah, like that would be great. And it turned into this, you know, unicorn job that was so amazing that I think, you know, there's still, I think, a handful of jobs like that in the United States. And it's just was the most amazing experience. Wow. And then in, you said you worked there until 2021. Mm -hmm. And Around that time, is that when you started your company, Multivolte, or did that manifest during or after your time at Eileen Fisher? So I was at Eileen Fisher for 14 years, and I loved it there, and I felt very much like I had a home there. But I also was worried that I was getting dusty and was, you know, just that it would not be smart for me to stay there forever. That, you know, our culture has changed enough that almost no one stays at one company forever like they used to. 
And I was also just itching to like do something different, learn something else. And so I went to work at Recurate, which is a resale software company. And I worked there for a couple of years and learned a lot about startups and learned a lot about e-commerce and and what the the practice of customer success, which I was completely unfamiliar with. And it was a very steep learning curve. But I'm very you know happy that I had that experience. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it was not the best fit for what my experience was and what they really needed. And so it was at that point in um, March of this year when I kind of had a, like a pause moment for myself to say, well, what do I want to do next? And I thought, well, I'm, I originally thought I would go back into a company and just work full time for a company trying to do what I had done at Eileen Fisher. And then the more people I talked to, they like talking to lots of people, the more I kind of felt like there is an opportunity here with this niche expertise that I have to try starting my own business. And I had always wanted to start my own business. I'm still convinced that my real business will be a thrift store. But for now, I'm consulting. And, and I'm, like you said in your very eloquent introduction, I'm working with brands and circular solutions providers to help them navigate circular economy. So helping, you know, brands set up, maybe set up programs, create strategies, understand where they fit in the kind of landscape of resale and repair and recycling and what makes sense for the product that they make and conversations like that. So working both on the strategic side and the operations side vendor selection. Really, I, th I think I'm, I have a passion for understanding as much as possible about what's going on in specific to the fashion circular economy. And, and I think that that really helps me serve my clients because I'm always kind of chatting with somebody who's creating some new thing that is hopefully going to, you know, help push our industry further into, into circular economy over time. Absolutely. And tell me about life as a business owner. And I'm so curious if there's anything you wish you knew going into this that you would maybe like to share with others considering this entrepreneurial path. Mm -hmm. Others like you, maybe? Potato. <laughs> maybe. Uh, so let's see. It's a lot hard. Well, yes, it's harder than I thought it would be. But it's also just when we talk about learning curves, like going to recure it was a huge learning curve where I was but I was still in a company and I, there's still that familiarity of kind of like, okay, well, I have a job and they send me a weekly, bi-weekly paycheck and I'm supposed to do these things and try to do them well. And I think starting my own business was really like the discipline of running your own business is a whole, is a whole thing to learn about completely separate from your expertise, right? So I feel like, oh, I know all this stuff and I know how to work with companies and I know how to bring vendors along or whatever it is. But in terms of like, how many conversations do I need to have to actually get a client interested in a proposal? And then how do I write a proposal? And then what does a successful proposal look like? And then you get, you start negotiating and then like the legal contracts and the money and okay, great. I have the contract and you know, the money's coming and like, how am I actually going to do this? Like, I know, I know what we're trying to do, but you know, I haven't done it in this capacity before. So I think I really enjoy learning and because I'm doing this for myself and, you know, it's my, it's my company, I really am enjoying that, but it has been, it's been quite challenging. And I think that would just be my, I guess, to like sum it up would be if you're going to start your own business, great if you have the subject matter expertise, but do not underestimate the amount of learning and 
and like different expertise you need to have that is just about how to run a business regardless of what the business is. I think that's the part that I've been really shocked at how much how much I didn't know and how much real expertise there is to gain there. And I think about some of the things I did, you know, just a few months ago that I've completely kind of overhauled or like improved a lot now. And it's I can see how people it takes you, you know, a year or two, three, four years to get really good at understanding like who your client is and what they're looking for and how to offer that to them and how to land at the right price and what's the best arrangement of working together and like all of those questions. Yeah. Wow. So it's like having two full-time jobs in one, running your business and then uh, creating strategy and sharing your expertise with clients. Yeah, it actually feels like that. Yeah. And do you primarily have clients based in the U.S. or abroad? Or all over? I would say right now I have two U.S. clients. I have one client based out of Europe. I almost had a client in Pakistan. That didn't work out. So I'm assuming most of my clients will be in the U.S., but I think it's also really interesting that the world of post-consumer textile is a really global world. And so like what happens to all of our clothes when we're done with them? They go around the world, basically. So I think it's, you know, I want to work with people around the world, assuming that we can communicate in the same language and in a time zone that makes sense. Absolutely. And wow. So you went from working with a major brand to then working on the startup side and now having your own business. So these are big. These are significant jumps in many different areas. And I'm curious, what are you most proud of in your career path and maybe that's multiple things because you have had a plethora of experiences so I'm curious to hear yeah I love this question I was thinking about it because I I love feeling proud of myself and I don't think I do it enough and so I would say I have maybe three answers to that two of them are like these big jumps that I did right from Eileen Fisher to Recurate and then from Recurate to starting my own business I felt really I look back and I feel really proud that I went for it. And, you know, I spent years at Eileen Fisher. I was very, very happy there, but I also spent years like knowing I don't, you know, I want to try something else. I I don't want to stay here forever. And, and, but it's hard to make that leap, you know, and, and I'm grateful that the opportunity presented itself. And I would say for, you know, starting my own business, you know, same kind of feeling of, I'm glad that I didn't just automatically try to go back into a company in a full-time position just because it's very different and it's new and it's scary, but I'm proud of myself for doing that. And and then the the last thing that kind of comes to mind is I've been doing content, more content creation, writing and creating a podcast of my own. And I've been really enjoying that. And I think that it took me not having a full-time job to really have enough space and energy to feel like I could do that. And so um, it's just been it's been uh, kind of like a self-exploration process, I would say, to understand, like, nobody's telling me what I have to do. Right. Like I can do whatever I want. I can spend my time however I want and what feels valuable to me. And what do I and what do I want to do? And one of the things I decided really early on, pretty much as soon as I kind of publicly launched my business, was I was going to write a weekly newsletter. And, And I've been doing it since May. And I really love it. And I get to write about whatever I want. And I can, you know, ask whoever I want to chat with me and talk about things the way that I see them. And it just feels 
very freeing, but also I, I just feel proud of that, that I kind of am like discovering these things about myself that I think I wouldn't have necessarily if I was working full-time for somebody else. And I would definitely recommend subscribing to Cynthia's newsletter. I am now a subscriber and I have to say you are very thorough with also breaking down concepts and being very relatable about the business process, which I think is super important, especially for entrepreneurs looking to tackle such complex issues. And then also, like you said, trying to learn how to maintain the business side of it. And I'd love to know, in like a few years from now, what is the impact that you hope to be making with Multivolte? Oh, I have many answers to your question. So I'm not exactly sure, but I could say, for example, the types of in- impact I would like to be making are, I would like to have a really widely read newsletter and widely listened to podcast of people that are curious about the circular economy and want to learn more. And that I can bring that kind of simplifying and just kind of direct clarity and directness about what things are trying to break down maybe more complex topics and have them feel relatable and easily understood. So I would love for that content creation piece to be making a bigger impact. And I'm working towards that. Of course, I would love to be like an in-demand consultant where I have, you know, a list of companies that are waiting to work with me. That would be amazing, just putting it out there. But really, you know, the impact I'm trying to make is to help. I want to, I really want to work with companies that are, are passionate about either starting from a really sustainable place and moving forward and or, you know, they've been around for 30 years, but they see the importance and the value of moving quickly in sustainability and towards circular economy and not just like, well, let's try like a drop here and a drop there. Like this year, we're, you know, I'm like, no, let's do a big step. Let's, let's take a big leap. And, and that's the type of impact I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping to make is that, you know, people that I can help companies feel excited about making big steps and big changes for themselves and help paint a picture of how you know, the circular economy can be really good for their business and that it's not so scary and that it can it can help with really, you know, lowering their impact on on the planet and and just being like the right the right direction and the right way we need to be moving as a as a society, culture, industry, et cetera. Yeah, like you were saying, it's just too late to be making small steps. So I think that's great that you're pushing for the bigger steps because I know that at least it seems for companies that they want to take the small steps, but realistically, how can that get us to the goals that we need for actual environmental and social change? Yeah, that's the challenge. If you were starting over from day one, from the beginning of your career, even like even in university, are there things that you would have done differently along the path to where you are now? Yes. And I think about this all the time. Unfortunately, I'm very envious of people who don't have regrets or like things that they would have done differently, but I'm not one of them. So starting in university, I would have uh, I would have put less pressure on myself. I went in thinking I had to have a double major and that that would really matter. And now I know that it doesn't matter at all. And it almost doesn't matter what you study in undergrad, in my opinion. I mean, I majored in French and I have worked in, you know, fashion for 15 years. So like, don't think it really mattered that much. So I wish that I had let myself take more electives and not been so stuck on all the things I needed to, all the classes I needed to take to like fill up my 
my majors and minors. That would be one thing. I think going into Eileen Fisher, I mean, I have maybe no regrets about all of my time at Eileen Fisher. I feel like I had the most amazing opportunities and had these incredible positions where I learned so much. And yeah, I mean, I, and I'm happy to say that. I mean, I, I spent 14 years there and it was really, really incredible. I do think during that time, I would have networked more and kind of, you know, built up my my network better. Just I think it was a bit short-sighted of me to not do that. So that would be something I would have done differently. And then I think while working at Recurate, I would have saved more money. I could have saved more money. I spent a lot of money. It was fun to make a bunch of money. But in the end, I think uh, I wish I had done that so that I could have started my, I mean, I'm fine financially, but I just wish that I had like had a little more foresight on that. And then I think, you know, starting my business, probably the only thing I would like go back and do differently would just be to change my expectation of how quickly things might happen or, you know, what success looks like. I think I just needed to give myself a bit of a longer timeline than I did originally and have since kind of reset that. But I think it would have saved me a lot of self-criticism in a lot in, you know, in the last six months if I had just given myself a more leeway that it would take more time to start my business. I definitely think there are many things we can all take from the examples you just gave. Absolutely. And I know we're heading towards the end of the podcast. So I wanted to ask you before we before we end here, what's next for you? More of the same of what I'm doing now because it's brand new, really. You know, working with brands and solutions providers in the circular kind of fashion space, continuing to write my newsletter. I'm really excited. We're working on that. Me and my podcast co-host are working on a season two about our for our podcast that's all about repair and repair across industries. So I'm really excited to talk about that and release that. And then I'm also working on my kind of education part of my business where I continue to offer online classes about fashion circular economy, but also offer that privately, you know, within companies and different types of coalitions and institutions to just help people understand more about how the fashion circular economy works and their part in it. So that's what I'll be doing. Come find me on my website at Multivolte. Can you share the name of your podcast as well with us? Oh, sure. It's called the Untangling Circularity Podcast. And we just got it all like set up on everywhere. So now you can search it anywhere. And we're just there. Me and Laura Novich. Fantastic. Well, Cynthia, it was such a pleasure interviewing you and getting to know you. And I hope to speak again soon. Thank you. Thank you. You did a very... You did a lovely interview format. I'm, I'm taking notes for my next one. So thank you so much for all of your questions. And it's lovely to meet you too. Thanks so much for being here for the Collab Career Stories podcast. Please follow us on social media at Join the Collab and sign up to become a member and share your story at jointhecollab.com.